0: Brought him into this world, and I was going to be with him when he left this world, and we we did everything we could in the final year of his life to we brought him home, and and um, we just you know did what we could for as long as we could, and, and, and until you know, until the very end.
1: You're listening to C for C conversations.
2: First, it was really difficult. I, I felt guilty about anything and everything, enjoying myself. Um, I felt guilty about planning this trip. I thought I should have just be miserable all the
3: time. And then I lost that person, this person that I loved, you know, more than anybody else, because I had I had uh, offered to spend the rest of my life with this
1: human being. Hey everyone, welcome to C4C Conversations. I'm your host, Alameen Abdul-Mahmoud. C4C is all about interesting, telling conversations, and we've spent the last few months traveling across the country to find them. Now this is our chance to share them with you. Grief has a way of changing how you perceive the world around you. It shakes you to your core, and it forces you to deal with questions that maybe you've been avoiding or conversations you've been putting off. Edie and Ray met on the train, and they discovered that they'd both just recently experienced life-altering loss. Their conversation opened a door for us and inspired us to spend some time exploring grief more deeply.
2: Hi.
4: Hi. <laughs> I, your name's Ray?
2: Yes, Ray, short for Rachel. Cool.
4: My name's Edie, short for Edith. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah. So what are you doing on the train? Um, I am on my way back home. I, I've got all sorts of stories. Yeah. Um, some are happy, some are sad. Yeah, um, me too. He's got a lot of stories too, yeah. So, um, I do have one story that... Is really prevalent in my life right now, but it can be tough for some people to listen to. Like it seem like a woman who could, yes.
4: <laughs> Oh, yeah. I've <laughs> been through a lot.
2: Um, well, part of the reason why I'm going downtown Scotia to see my best friend, um, also to get a tattoo finished up by her older sister, um, and it's, it's a, a trip of healing for me. I recently lost uh, my first son was still uh, stillborn wow. um, so that's been a, a tough ordeal how long ago? less than two months ago Wow. so I'm on that leave now uh, first it was really difficult I I felt guilty about anything and everything enjoying myself um, I felt guilty about planning this trip um, I thought I should just be miserable all the time um, but my husband has great support Wow. For me, so. Uh, so yeah. this is a
4: healing trip for me too.
2: Is it? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome.
4: About a month and a half ago, my oldest sister, and probably my closest human <laughs> to me in many ways, um, had a heart attack, and I had to go from Halifax to Vancouver overnight oh. to uh, say goodbye to her and uh, we had to take a respirator out a few days afterwards. So I've got a lot of history around Vancouver, a lot of grief around Vancouver, because I lost, in one year I lost my marriage, my parents, my business, oh my means goodness. of American living, and ended up back in Nova Scotia with my first love who my mother would never let me go out with when I was 13. And so for the past seven years I've been grieving my life in Vancouver. I hadn't been to visit my sister enough. And so when I stepped off the plane and realized I needed to go back to Vancouver, um, saying goodbye to her was uh, basically saying hello to a new life because I was not going to regret anything like that ever again. So it's really,
2: really brave of you to start a whole new life. It started with such positivity.
4: It was one of those things, I'd already lost so much before, everything was different anyway, and I found that I was saying, like you said, you know, I felt guilty and all that. I was saying all of that kind of stuff out of feelings of loss and failure and disappointment. Mm -hmm all of that stuff, and I spent seven years, don't, don't spend seven years doing it there. <laughs> it's, not, yeah. it's all of wasted. <laughs> My husband wouldn't let me. <laughs> yeah, I was um, saying I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do this. Yeah. And it took uh, a I, I long time. Yeah. yeah, or I shouldn't, or.
2: I don't deserve to.
4: Yeah, yeah. all of those, all of that stuff. It,
2: it's crazy how grief changes you, and anyway. You can you can sympathize and you can try to understand, but until you experience it, it it's amazing, you know, isn't it? It, uh, it changes you, yeah.
4: And it takes as long as it takes. Like I took seven years. I mean, maybe you will, but I hope you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it it can be debilitating. It's completely absorbing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I find um, you don't know it where to put the file. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like I don't have a file to put that in.
2: Yeah, there's definitely different levels of loss. And there's, there's some that are you know, easy hurdles, and there's some that end up bringing you down into a state yeah. of depression. Yeah,
4: yeah. I think the loss of a child is like no other. Like no other. My mother never, ever. She had six children. And her second between my sister and I. It mm-hmm. was the one that she lost it. She still talked a bit until the day the very day that she died. So, and she lived to be 80-something, so it's not something that anybody but a mother can understand.
2: Yeah, it was uh, It was difficult because we had been planning on having a child oh. oh. planning on trying this fall actually, but I got pregnant early. Wow. And, that, um, at first I was kind of thrown off because I had planned on going to Nova Scotia to finish my tattoo. Right. And I had planned on going on a camping trip and doing all the stuff I wanted to do before I got pregnant and it, I was kind of going through this state of mind where I was, I was scared to step into that next stage of my life, uh, but then I became pregnant and my my other best friend on the other side of the country, lucky me, two best friends on opposite right. sides of right. course, <laughs> uh, she got pregnant at the same time. Wow. So it was. It was really nice to have that connection with her, and um, me and my husband were both so thrilled to have this little baby on the way. Um, so my whole perspective changed, and I embraced it, yep. and then to to have a perfectly healthy pregnancy, and then lose him. How many months uh, did you lose? I was, I was 23 weeks when I noticed the movement stopped, but I said, I'm, I'm not gonna be paranoid, I'm not yeah. gonna be one of those moms. Um, I'm fine. I'm fine. There's no reason to worry. Uh, at 26 weeks, they told me that there was no heartbeat, so chances are it was probably around 23. I think I had that gut feeling. I just didn't, I didn't follow it, but um, it, I mean, the, the actual birth was very quick. Uh, contractions yeah. still suck.
4: <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> no. No matter what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know that feeling of you're like, oh, it's starting. Oh no, now it's starting. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's. Did, were you trying for a long time, no you just said you? you
2: uh, well, we weren't.
4: It was a surprise.
2: Yeah, we weren't wow. trying. I mean, we weren't not trying. Wow. You know what I mean? But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was. It was a surprise, but. Yeah, and all one. those
4: things that you know in your head that people tell you to try to make you feel better—you know them here, but it doesn't make any difference to the loss. I mean, I people always trying to make you feel better. It's like, <laughs>
1: yeah, it's like you—you—you
2: you, you hear these voices in your head that are saying these negative things, and then you hear the logic side of your brain saying, "Well, that's not true." But yeah, a lot like, of times exactly. the negative side.
4: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, if, when you lose somebody. In, you think you could have done something. It's always excruciating. I mean, I had the same thing with my own sister because the, the days that she, before she had her heart attack, I was begging her on the phone, we were talking every day, to go to the doctor and to stop working and she wouldn't. So of course, I, uh, of course one goes to the thoughts of what if I'd flown out and forced her to you know, like, because she wouldn't listen to me, we were arguing, literally, about it. The dreaded what ifs. Yeah. So, I mean, I, my, my only point is you can do that, and we naturally do it, because of course we run through our head, what if I could have, what if I could have, what, what no. It just, it's just life it throws things at you. you, you cope with them, and then you move, move through it.
2: Were able to say goodbye?
4: No. No, I mean, I did to her body because she was on a respirator. But um, actually, my sisters and I gathered around and were from a a theatrical family, so actually, we had pretty much a comedy team (laughs) (laughs) over over her body (laughs) for three days until we. until they took out the respirator, but so it was actually kind of cool. Did you get to say goodbye?
2: Uh, well, yes. Uh, at first, um, when I when I heard the news, I said, "I don't want to. I don't want to see him. I don't want you to take pictures. I don't want to believe this is even happening." Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but my husband, he he said that he wanted to to see him, so I said, "Okay." Um, Turns out afterwards, he only said that because he wanted me he wanted
4: to do it. He didn't
2: want me to miss out, and I'm so glad because good it was not him, scary. Because it
4: does make a difference. Like it
2: be, yeah, it really does. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a keeper. Oh, I love my husband. <laughs> so good. He, um, he actually did mean, something really sweet for me uh, for for my birthday recently. Uh, there's a. A little stuffed animal from my childhood looks like a little lion and uh, our, our son his name's is Arwen and he <laughs> looked like a little lion too. We had little little lion paws and his nose looked like a little lion nose. <laughs> so um, he, he took this stuffed animal and he took sea glass uh, that I collected from Nova Scotia as a child, yeah. and he weighed it to be the exact weight as our son, and he put it inside of the stuffed animal with some lavender. And oh. Yeah, so I could have that's beautiful representation of representation. Mean, yeah. So you'll, you'll have that, as <laughs> <laughs> long as you live. Yeah, it's beautiful. Looks... Yeah. That's, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. that's, a, well, that's a really <laughs> touching thing. That's very touching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it really does nice bring people yeah. together.
4: Yeah. Because loss can sometimes bring other things. I mean, I, I suppose it always brings other things. It just isn't always necessarily great. <laughs> there may be a certain amount of luck involved, I don't know. You know, it's, it's really weird. <laughs> the more loss it, I find, the more loss I've because I've, I've had a lot, and I'm older than you, so I've had more chance, <laughs> just by random. Um, it actually does get easier. The first really big losses are the hardest. So, I don't know if you've had lots of big ones before you.
2: I haven't. Is this I've your been first big? Yeah.
4: Well, then I can reassure you that you learn something every time something happens as you grow older. Arwen, is his name? Arwen. Yeah. Arwen looks beautiful.
2: <laughs> Thank you for saying his name. It's. Uh, It's nice
4: to recognize who he was, yeah. and I guess is for you, always will be.
1: Grief can be so debilitating, it changes everything, yet somehow Rachel and Edie found the energy and the strength to set out on these healing journeys and confront grief head-on. In the process, they found each other. Grief can come in many forms, like the end of a relationship, it can be like experiencing a death. Someone you spend all your time with is suddenly gone. They're just not there. Anuba knows the feeling well, and she talks it over with her friend, Miata.
5: My name is Miata, and I'm from Winnipeg. I am black. My parents are from Africa. My mom's from Kenya. My father's from Sierra Leone. And uh, yeah, I grew up in, I've been in Canada all my life in an anglophone. <laughs> were you born know. here? Yeah I was born in Winnipeg. Yeah
3: so my name's Anuba and I'm South Asian. My, I was born in Bangladesh. I immigrated to Canada when I was a baby and I grew up mostly in Toronto and then Miata and I met in when we were both up in Nunavut for various reasons but yeah mm-hmm. I identify as a as an unapologetic South Asian woman.
5: <laughs> okay so when was the last time that you grieved uh,
3: I guess it would have been, um, I would have grieved when my, uh, marriage dissolved, my common law, uh relationship that was supposed to be forever, uh, ended. That mm-hmm. really fucking sucked. Mm-hmm. And you, it sucks, but then also you are, you're going through a, a loss. It's a huge loss. It's a loss of, uh... Your life and your expectations of your life, because you have some mm-hmm. expectations. Um, there's a loss of material items, and your my for me, I lost my home because I was the one that moved out. I lost my dog because the dog was my partner's dog, mm-hmm. and I was originally my partner's dog, and then I lost that person, this person that I loved, you know, more than anybody else, because I had I had uh, offered to spend the rest of my life with this human being so uh that was and i'm still in the grieving process and i i think i will always be grieving that um that relationship in that person mm. you
5: mm. i don't think i think i've been lucky not to have had to grieve for a person yet in my life very lucky um like either yeah through death or through kind of great heartbreak but I'd say what you're describing is like the sense of kind of expectations for your life that change. I think over the last year it was basically like I I finished law school I got called to the bar and I kind of had, yeah, I had this expectation that, like, I was going to be a lawyer and, like, become this, like, powerful woman who's helping people and, like, also not doing so bad herself. And, like, you know, <laughs> have a nice Toronto life, maybe. And I think realizing that that a lot of, like, the professional elements, like, yeah, were at odds with, like, what I wanted and also my my natural skills... That realization came kind of after like finding it really hard to find a job and like being very depressed and very down on myself and ashamed and like feeling like I wasted a lot of time and money going to school for something that I wasn't going to do and wondering why I couldn't just like suck it up like everybody else and just get a job and like try to be content with that and I think like yeah like being kind of unemployed um, I had a lot of time to think about that and to like cry about it and dwell on it. And so the first half of that year was like definitely a grieving process of sorts. And now like yeah, having to figure out what it is that I that I am trying to do. As much as loss sucks, sometimes I feel like with
3: loss comes a bit of freedom.
5: Yes. Absolutely. It's exciting. Like I didn't know, yeah, it's like you don't, you think that at this age, like you're supposed, you you thought you're going to have things figured out. And I thought I had like a little crisis a few years ago. And then, and then I think that now the realization that like, you will probably go through this many times and many stages in your life.
3: We'll never really figure it out. You just, like, figure something out, and as you figure that out, you realize you didn't really get something else. you got to figure that out. Or there's a new
5: thing. It's like, yeah, if I do want to have kids, like, that's going to be... Another figuring out. Yeah. Yeah. Where, yeah, where to live. I guess you have to accept that you don't really know. Yeah, that was the hard... That's, like, the realization from therapy that I've never really fully accepted. I'm just like, what do you mean you're not just going to make life easier for the rest of it. Oh man, I would tell that. <laughs> Why I, I paying you for? Therapy doesn't,
3: doesn't like fix you, no. you know, it just gives you some tools to keep pushing forward mm-hmm. and like to deal with all the unfixables. And to realize that, that
5: they're not going to kill you and yeah. ruin your, yeah. Maybe it's
3: like the tools to accept the things about you that you were trying to <clears> fix <throat> and then just,
5: I don't know. And change some unhelpful things probably that aren't your essence, maybe, but like patterns that you've you've developed for going through the world.
3: Depends on the type of therapy you're
5: doing. Yes. Yeah.
3: Also therapy is awesome. It's
5: great, I think. Everyone Everyone should should do it. it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a dimension of loss we don't get to talk about as much. And for many of us it's so real. The loss of a direction, the loss of the thing that was driving you and driving you until suddenly It's not there, and it's not what you expected. It leaves a
6: void, and it leaves you grieving.
0: My name's Sandy Deacher.
6: And I'm Adam Enius, and we're uh, from Penticton also. We decided to take this trip of a lifetime.
1: We asked Adam and Sandy a very specific question. If there was one moment in your life that you could relive, what would it be?
0: Holy moly, what go back and relive, relive. What would it be? I think for me, would be our first date.
6: Do you want to relive that?
0: I'd like to go, go back and just, that was fantastic. But what, if I could go back one of the next ones would be to spend more time with Jim.
6: Yes, I thought that would be a, you know, that was such a precious time that we spent with your son uh, Mm -hmm. in his final days. uh, It meant a lot to me. It uh, opened my eyes to many things and to uh, appreciation of the simple things in life. made me aware of uh, how beautiful nature was really and how much uh, joy and uh, you know, serenity it brings to one person, especially if, if they know that they're on their last days. I guess that's you know something that I would like to remember. And, uh... To relive, I would
0: like to do that as well and just be able to be more open, I guess, to just knowing that, you know, he was going and and trying to put everything into making him comfortable and and so I'd like to do that, I'd like to go back and relive those moments, spend the time with him, he was such an amazing young man. bit more about okay. Sure. Cool. You guys can just kind of talk together okay. as Well, Jim was um, 27, and somewhere around 25, I guess, he contracted the AIDS virus, Hep-C, or not Hep-C, but whatever, HIV, and um, passed away in on April the 7th. Of 1993, and it's been. It was a learning process, but like I said to him, he was. I brought him into this world, and I was going to be with him when he left this world, and we, we did everything we could in the final year of his life to. We brought him home, and and um, we just, you know, did what we could for as long as we could, and until his. Till the very end, and he was an amazing young man. He didn't make anyone suffer or because he was dying or that he had AIDS. Um, everyone at the hospital had to be debriefed that took care of him because they, they all loved him. So he was a good kid.
6: Yeah, and of course, uh, you know, that oh, Jim came home to die, and I remember the first... Uh, meetings with him in our in our little house and I uh, I didn't know what to do or say and I, I just t- told Jim I said you know I uh, I really don't know what to say to you because I, I knew he was dying, he knew he was dying and uh, I said I don't know what to say to you I'm, I'm, I'm scared and he looked at me too and he says well I'm scared too <laughs> so we both broke into laughter and after that it was it was good to uh, you know to open the gates we were able to uh, Share with one another what all this was about. You know, and, and the, the things I talked about earlier about uh, him, him opening my eyes to the beauty of nature. We would sit outside in our little uh, deck and uh, he'd, he'd be just breathing in the, the fresh air and, uh, you know, talking about look at how green the leaves are and, uh, you know, I can hear the creek flowing. You know, and it, it, that really opened my eyes and ears up to what was around me and I took for granted. And also it made me, you know, really aware of being alive, you know, because he was alive. And, you know, know, in in his dying, you know, we were able to to, to live, really, to the fullest. And that's the greatest gift that he he left for me.
0: When he was about two, I guess, and he... um was sitting on the deck and he had clean clothes and he got down on the sidewalk that had a little hole in it. It had water and he had to get all just filthy dirty. But that was, you know, he was a beautiful baby. He was never sickly. He was, uh, you know, and then as a young adult, he was, he was always there if I needed anything or, you know, mom, what can I do? so it was, you know, it was a precious time. His, his life was short, but it was filled with so much teaching and learning. And
6: well, we were a blended family, so I never got to know Jim you know, until he was a young man. But it's funny because I, he also has a brother who's still alive and who's, uh, you know, doing well. His name is Sid, and uh, he's a he's a, a, a project manager in construction in Vancouver. But <clears throat> when Sid kind of uh, loosened up a bit, he was a little bit uptight about German, what he was, his lifestyle was. But he uh, has loosened up, and uh, one I remember one time he was talking about German when they were young, <laughs> and he said to his mother, "Do you don't remember when we had that Christmas tree? And we didn't know anything about this Christmas tree." Uh-uh. When they were living in Prince George, they went out to cut a tree. And uh, Jim said, well, the best trees are up on top, at the top. You know. So they saw this one big tree and a nice crown to it, so they climbed up there. And they were chopping it, or he, one of them was chopping it. And it fell over onto the power lines. <laughs> he said they were climbing back down, and they, they could feel it. The whole bark just tingling way in their fingertips, and it's it's amazing they never got electrocuted. And of course they wouldn't tell their mother. That. <laughs> no, and this wasn't until he was an adult that they found that story finally came up.
0: Yeah, those are, those are those stories that you hear about many years later as a mother, or as a parent. Christmas was a big thing at our house, and uh, and it wasn't so much the gifts or anything that were under the tree it was getting the tree, and decorating it, and the two boys and I, that was our, that was our thing. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun, but now, now with the grandkids, the grandkids are all grown up, they're in their twenties, and um, with the great grandbabies, one has turned six and the other one just turned a year. So, You know, the cycle of life just keeps going.
1: Experiencing loss, whether it's the loss of a sibling, parent, child, or partner, is probably the hardest thing you'll have to go through in your life. But as Adam and Sandy said, the way grief transforms you can also be the most beautiful thing that life has to offer. That's it for this episode. Thanks to our founding sponsors, the Macmillan Family Foundation, In Spirit Foundation, and the National Film Board of Canada. Our conversations are recorded in partnership with Via Rail Canada. Many thanks to Ryerson University, Carleton University, MyTax, and IMAX Corporation for their support. Join us next week for the last episode of the season. We'll hear from people who share their experiences with the child welfare system. Do
4: you have any advice to give me when I'm 19 and on my own as an adult? Or just anything you'd want me to know when I'm on my own? That you can always come home. I know when I moved out I wasn't given that option. So you can always come home. I will always be there to support you in whatever you do, whatever lifestyle you choose, whoever you are, because you're you're my daughter.
1: That's on next week's episode of C for C Conversations.